0: We're back in Mark this week. I know it's been a while, so we're gonna have to kind of shake off the, the cobwebs. Uh, it's been a little more than a month since we were in Mark, uh, but I can't think of a better passage for re-entry, uh, a better passage to help us you know, refocus once again on the gospel and on the mission of the church. And what we're gonna see this morning, it's a really simple outline. We're gonna see what we can do and what we cannot do concerning the kingdom of God, what we can do and what we cannot do concerning the kingdom of God. So Mark chapter four, we'll begin reading in verse 21. And Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. If you would pray with me. Father, we didn't gather this morning um, to hear from me. We want to hear from you. So would you speak? May my words fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain and may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So I think we've come to a point in the Gospel of Mark where we're seeing that the disciples' expectations for what the kingdom of God should look like are not exactly being met. I mean, make no mistake, when the disciples left their, uh, left their old lives behind and began to follow Jesus, they had expectations for what their life was going to look like. They had expectations for what the kingdom of God would look like. It was the expectations for a real kingdom, With a real king, Jesus being the king. But now looking around, perhaps at a campfire late at night and just seeing 12 dudes staring at one another, they had to be wondering, is this it? This this is the kingdom, this ragtag, small group of followers with no army, no political power. They didn't know it yet, but they actually had a traitor in their midst. Is this it? This is what the kingdom of God looks like. Uh, and now, of course, there were crowds. I mean, we've been reading about crowds following Jesus, crowds going from town to town, but that's really all they were. They were just the crowds. And Jesus never seemed to capitalize on it. I mean, you'd have huge crowds, and then all of a sudden the disciples would be like, Where's Jesus? He'd just leave the crowds and he'd go off by himself and pray. Or perhaps when Jesus would heal someone and you'd see this enormous display of power and you're like, now's the time to capitalize on that. And Jesus would go, shh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone I healed you. And like that's, that's not how you build a kingdom, Jesus. That's, that's what they had to be thinking. And so Jesus, knowing that the disciples are thinking this, he encourages them with these words. Uh, he said, he asked them a question. Let me ask you, is a lamp brought in in order to be put under a basket and hidden or to be put on a lamp and to shine? Well, the answer is obvious. A lamp, the only reason to go through all the trouble of lighting it is to shine. Uh, the only reason that, you know, I, for instance, I, I put on this microphone, you know, strap it on my head here, turn it on, is so you can hear me. There would be no use in going through all of this for you not to hear me. And Jesus is saying, hey, disciples, make no mistake. I know it seems kind of hidden now, but I didn't come all this way to not shine. I will shine. The kingdom of God will grow and go forward. And then he says to them, pay pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, Even what he does have will be taken away. It's kind of a confusing statement, Jesus says there. Literally, it it reads like this. The measure by which you measure will be measured to you. The measure by which you measure will be measured to you. And and what Jesus means by this is, hey, disciples, I I know I've remained hidden for a while. The the light's kind of hidden from a lot of people but it hasn't been hidden from you. You know who I am. You have seen the light. I've revealed myself to you. Now, how much of that light do you want to see? How much do you want me to speak to you? How much are you paying attention to the words that I have given you? Because as much as you will receive, that's as much as I will give. As much as you crave for, as much as you long for my words, as much as you long for my presence, that is exactly how much you will receive. So are you paying attention to my words? I have been preaching for long enough to realize that the best sermons that you guys have ever thought I have preached, I haven't preached. I had very little to do with any of the words I actually said had way more to do with your hearts coming into this place than the words that I had to say. Actually, I think the the best sermons I've ever preached and the worst sermons I've ever preached, I actually never preached. I mean, there'll be times people will come up to me after a service or maybe it's weeks after a sermon and be like, Joel, when you said this, it just changed my life. I'm like, wow, I never said that. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, I never said that. It's like, I think that sounds like killer, you know, or, or John Pye. Like, I know I didn't, but I just take credit for it. I'm like, thank you. You know, <laughs> you're welcome. Thought a lot about that. Uh, that had way more to do with their hearts coming in, ready to hear, ready to receive. At the same time, I'm pretty sure that the worst sermons I've ever preached, I didn't. When people were like, man, I just almost ran out of the church when you said that, I was so offended. I'm like, actually, I never said that. When I was in seminary, uh, my preaching professor said there'll be three sermons every Sunday. The sermon you prepare, the sermon you preach, and the sermon people heard. What you guys hear comes with how your heart's prepared into this place. Are you coming eager with anticipation? Ready to hear? Are you coming hungry? Uh, Because the one truth that I I know, because I've seen it time and time again over the years of preaching, is that if you come in here hungry, you will leave full. If you come in here with a heart that is desperate to hear from God and to obey him, you will hear from God. To whom it has been given, even more will be given. If Jesus is your heart's desire, you will get your heart's desire. But if you come in here out of a sense of duty, seeking nothing, expecting nothing, then you will receive nothing. If all you think when you come to church, you know, on a Sunday is, I expect to receive a warm cup of coffee, Uh, you know what you're gonna get? A warm cup of coffee. There's a warning here in Jesus' words. He's saying, if you don't pay attention to him, if you don't pay attention to his words, then even that little bit of light that you once saw is is gonna begin to fade away. Pay attention to his words. Come with a hungry heart because the more you pay attention, the more his light will shine. Uh, Jesus, he then goes on to tell his disciples about the kingdom of God by giving them two more parables. Uh, And if you're like me, you're probably thinking another parable about the kingdom of God. I mean, another story. Why doesn't Jesus ever just say in a sentence, hey, this is what the kingdom of God is. Well, why does he never do it? Why is he always telling stories about the kingdom of God? You know, stories about seeds being sown, about plants growing, about wedding feast, about royal feast, about pearls being found, treasures being discovered, leaven being worked into dough, the joy of a coin that was lost and then is found, or of a child that was lost and is then found. Why is he always telling stories about the kingdom, but not actually telling us what the kingdom is? I don't know about you, but sometimes I get frustrated in that. It, it actually reminds me of, um, of something Flannery O'Connor once said. Uh, I don't know if any of you read Flannery O'Connor. Uh, brilliant writer. She, she wrote short stories. And she just had such a way of writing. And, and just within a few pages... She would paint such a vivid picture that you will just chew on for the longest time. Well, one time she, after she had finished writing one of her short stories, um, some paper was doing an article on her. And so they said, hey, for the paper, could you maybe just tell us in a sentence or so the point of that short story? And she just said, well, if I could do it in a sentence, I wouldn't have written the story. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of truth to that. There's, there's some truths that are just so grand, so nuanced, so big, you can't just say, a, you can't wrap it up in a sentence. You can only approach it from different angles, tell many different stories about it. That's the kingdom of God. Jesus could not just give a sentence for us and we walk away understanding what the kingdom is. And so when Jesus taught about the kingdom, he would teach that the kingdom, you know, things like it grew secretly and it grew suddenly. And then he'd turn around and tell the next group how the kingdom of God was going to come suddenly and come in power. He would tell people how the kingdom must come to us. And then at nearly the same breath, he would say how we must go and enter into it. He would talk about how the kingdom is from heaven. And then he would say, and it's also within each of you. He would talk about the kingdom in the present tense. And then he would talk about it in the future tense. Uh, Sometimes the kingdom was far away from people. Sometimes it was near. Sometimes the kingdom of God was described with fire and with judgment. More often than not, it was described as a joyful feast. So what is the kingdom of God? Jesus says, all of it. It's all of it. I I, I can't just tell you in this little sentence here. It's all of that. So here he's, he's teaching us about the kingdom of God and another side of the kingdom of God. By telling us two more stories, two more parables about a seed growing. Look at verse 26 again. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear then the full grain in the year. Uh, this is just a simple story about farming. The farmer goes out, sows some seed, goes to bed. Wakes up, then he goes to bed. Wakes up, then he goes to bed. We don't know how long this happens, but it happens for a while, and then finally he wakes up and he looks, and he's like, huh, something's grown. God just showed up. Wow. <laughs> Something's grown, but he doesn't know how. He doesn't know how that, that blade burst through the ground and it, and it grew and it's going to keep growing until it produces fruit. The farmer did absolutely nothing for that seed to grow. He, he didn't get out there, you know, like with a, you know, dig it up and get a little teeny little scapel and like peel back the skin, a little tweezers and help it unfold. He, He didn't do any of that. He was powerless to do that. The power of that seed, it didn't come from the farmer. The power's in the seed. So the farmer's job here is simply to plant seeds. He's powerless to make it grow. That power comes from the seed itself. And Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of God's like. That's how it grows. Now this seed is the good news of the kingdom, that the the seed is the gospel. And that's what Jesus is saying that we are to sow. We're to tell others about Jesus. We're to tell the world that the king of this world has come. We're to tell of his death and his resurrection. And we're to go take that message and scatter that seed wherever we go. Uh, Notice that's what's being pictured here is just scattering seed. Gospel always on our lips. So we're scattering seed uh, to our family. We're scattering seed to our coworkers. We're scattering seed to our neighbors. We're just, wherever we're going, we're scattering seed. We're telling people the gospel. That's what we can do. And we never have to fear running out of seed. Endless supply. Just keep on scattering it. That's what you're called to do. What you can't do is make that seed grow. Nothing you can do can make that seed grow. All you could do is scatter seed, then go to sleep. Wake up, go to sleep. Wake up, go to sleep. Powerless to do anything else because only God can grow his kingdom. This is why when you read through scripture, nowhere in scripture are you going to find the idea of us building the kingdom of us advancing the kingdom, of us expanding the kingdom, of us growing the kingdom, that language is never used. We're told to receive it. We're told to enter into it. But growth is what God does. Have you ever wondered why God created us needing sleep? I mean, it's, sleep is crazy when you think about it. You go unconscious every single day. I mean, for six to eight hours, you are oblivious to anything that's happening. You go unconscious every single day. Why did God create us needing that to happen? And, and I don't care if you, you think, oh, I'm not going to let that happen to me. You, you can't will your way out of it. I don't care how strong you are. You're going down, every one of us, every day, six to eight hours unconscious. Why? So, when we wake up, we see the sun rose without us, the world's doing just fine without us. It's to remind us that we're not God. God's got a pretty good handle on things. And because we keep forgetting that lesson, He has us go to sleep every single day. And every morning we wake up and we're reminded God doesn't need us, we're not the center of the universe. In this parable here, Jesus could not have said it any clearer or any more emphatically that we are irrelevant compared to the power of the word of God in growing his kingdom. Irrelevant. I've had the privilege of listening to some pretty amazing preachers in my life. You know, I've got to listen a number of times you know, to a John Piper, Tim Keller, N.T. Wright, different people like that. But I would say the most powerful sermon I have ever heard um, came from a guy I can't even remember his name, which is telling, isn't it? And it was actually when I was in college, he was a fellow student. Uh, and he was a nobody. Um, he was one of those guys severely introverted. Um, his face, I remember, is covered with acne. Um, he was just awkward. He could be go in and out of a room, and no one would ever really know if he had been there or not. And we were involved in the same college ministry. And during one of the uh, one of our services, uh, the minister he just said, "Hey, anybody could get up and share what the Lord has put on their heart." And we'd have some some really good gifted people get up, and they would share different things. It was great. And then there was just kind of this silence, a little awkward silence. And finally, this this student he gets up and he is trembling and he is shaking. And he gets up and we all can't believe. Oh my gosh, what's happening? And all he does is just read a passage of scripture. And he says, Jesus is enough. And he sat down. It's the most powerful sermon I've heard. It was just like God just nailed my heart, which is like, this is what I'm waiting for, is this kind of weak vessel. It wasn't me who brought that message. You know, David Platt was also in the room. We were we were in the the same college ministry at the time. It wasn't through David that that happened. There's nobody. I can't even remember his name. I don't even know if it's it's either David or it's Matt. That's yeah. I'm great with names. What does God want? Someone to just scatter the seed, and it does not depend on the messenger. Do you know why I preach? I don't preach so you will remember my points. No one remembers my points. I don't remember my points. I can't remember my points from the last sermon I preached in front of you guys. I don't know. that. Maybe, maybe Lauren might be the only one who could like kind of walk through my, my points from sermons. Um, but I don't remember it. But it's not why I preach. I preach to faithfully sow seeds and then pray like crazy that God causes it to grow. That's it. I don't possess the power for growth, but I will trust in the power of that seed through his spirit. And whether that seed grows instantly or whether it takes years, that's in the Lord's hands. And how God is going to grow this seed is a complete mystery to us. We have no idea what is happening in people's hearts once the seed is planted. None. I mean, that farmer goes and looks at the ground, and the surface looks exactly the same, has no idea if there's anything happening under the surface. Do you know what a comfort that is? Do you know what a comfort that is to me as I preach to you guys every Sunday? I look out at times, I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody, I need you right now. Just feel, do you have a pulse? I I can't tell. Sometimes I'm looking like, is anyone here alive? I mean, after the service, I have people come up to me and they're like, man, I just wanted to get up and just jump, amen. I'm like, but you didn't. I mean, I don't really care. Could have, would have, should have. You didn't. You know, this is what I saw when I looked at you. I mean, I don't know how Presbyterian pastors do it. It just. But that's my hope is that God is doing something even right now under the surface. Thank you. Thank you. I keep waiting for it. Day after day, the farmer would go. He's looking at it. Looks exact same as yesterday. Exact same as yesterday. No change. Flat. Hard surface. Nothing. He just has to trust that God in some mysterious way is doing something underneath the surface. That God, even though he can't see it, life is actually being created under there and someday will burst forth. That's what God said his, his gospel's like. That's what the kingdom of God is like. This is actually the testimony of so many of you. I've read a number of your testimonies and a lot of them, there's this reoccurring pattern. You say, hey, I grew up in church. You know, I know I went to VBS when I was a child. I clearly heard the gospel there. Nothing. Youth group heard the gospel Nothing. Sat in church for so long, nothing. But I kept hearing the gospel. Friends kept telling me the gospel, nothing. Then someday, out of the blue, not even really sure what was said, everything just kind of went click. It's like, all of a sudden, everything made sense. Who Jesus was, what he's calling you to be and to do, and new life just entered into you just like that. It just happened. It was a mystery, Underneath the surface, God had been working all that time. And then suddenly, through a miracle of His, it grew. For those of you who have been faithfully scattering seed for years, do not be discouraged. When you're looking at it and you're like, every day I come out here and there's no change. Trust what we just read to start the service Isaiah 55 God says, When my word goes forth, it will not return void. Thank you. Is that Mary Catherine? Thank you. (laughs) See, I know the people say amen. (laughs) It will not return void, but he's accomplishing something mysterious there. Don't give up. This leads us to the next parable, which is about the size of the seed and the size of the kingdom. Verse 30. And Jesus said, with what can we Compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? I love it. Jesus is like, I've got so many and just like which one this time? He says, It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And in this parable, Jesus, he's not telling us the mysterious way how the kingdom grows. He's telling about how small it starts and then how large it ends up. It's the point of this. The kingdom is going to start small. So small you... It's almost imperceptible. You, you could barely see it, but it's going to grow large enough that birds are going to come and make nests and find their shade in it. And what Jesus is doing here, he's actually alluding to several places in the Old Testament, like, like Daniel 4, in which uh, the kingdom of God is depicted as a tree, huge tree growing, and the birds are the nations of the world all coming and finding their rest in that tree. Now picture the absurdity of what Jesus is saying. I mean, the disciples, they're listening to Jesus and they've got to be thinking, what are you talking? We we have no weapons. We have no army. We've got no political clout. We're not running around in the circles of the elite. There's no movers and shakers in our midst. We're just this small group of uneducated dudes sitting around a campfire. And you are sending us out into the world armed with only a message that you're the king. And that is how the kingdom of God comes. Jesus says, yes. 12, 12 men and a story. Yes, exactly. You were paying attention. You got it right. And I will use that to change the world. Church, all we have is the, the message about Jesus who he was, what he's commanded us to do, the message of his death and his resurrection. And it's enough. Through his spirit, it is enough. And we don't ever need to try to add to it. We certainly don't ever need to try to take away from it. We don't need to try to fluff it up and and make it pretty, somehow make it more digestible for, for people. We simply share the gospel. That's what we do. What we don't do is cause it to grow, but God says, you share the gospel and I will grow it and I will change the world. When I was preparing this message I thought about Mark himself as he's writing out this gospel. He wasn't one of the 12, but he was a follower of Jesus. And so he's around these people. He probably heard Jesus, you know, teaching this. Mark's going to make a little appearance in his own gospel towards the end. But I wonder if Mark, when he was writing the story of Jesus here, if he thought or had any idea how this tiny little gospel, how far it would spread. Over the entire globe. I wonder if he, if he knew that his gospel would be translated into over 2,000 different languages. Jesus knew. Jesus absolutely knew. Uh, for those of you, uh, for those parents here who maybe at times you wonder as you're looking around at the state of the world and you're like, man, what kind of world are we leaving to our kids what kind of world are they going to grow up in? Hear these words. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. There's times that the light of Jesus might seem a little hidden, but he did not come into this world not to shine. And the seed of his kingdom has been planted and it will grow and it will cover the entire world. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth just like the waters cover the sea. Jesus came to shine. So what can we do? Scatter seed, and then we trust and we wait that God is doing something beneath the surface. Pray with me. Jesus, I pray that we would be faithful seed scatterers. We would do it with the confidence Not that comes in our speaking ability or that we get everything right. Our confidence is not in any power that we have. Our our confidence comes in the power of your word, the power of the gospel through your spirit. May we rest in that. Your word does not return void. So, Lord, may we leave this place in a boldness, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And thank you for the hope that we have that your light will shine. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.